Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, beautiful human. Thank you so much for clicking or tapping on our conversation with Dean Lewis. It is an honor to be let into your ears today. Our conversation being delivered to you by GoPuff. GoPuff to me is everything from my water to my paper towels to the candles I burn in the studio. GoPuff gets me everything and anything that I need whenever I need it. They are the future and the present of a convenience store. Thousands of items available in the palm of your hand. From booze to snacks to electronics to home goods, they got you covered. Whenever you need, whenever you need it, go puff it. Come on. Use my code, Zach10, and you'll save $10 off your first two orders. Zach10. I go puff everything in my life. They always show up. They're always the best. So why not try them out? Zach10, use the code, save 10 bucks off your first two orders. Happy go puffing. Now let's get to Dean Lewis. Hello, beautiful human. I am Zach. That is Dan, and we welcome to the studio for the first time ever. Dean Lewis! Hey! Thanks for having me in, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, I like Australians, man. Uh, for the most <laughs> part, you're really great people. Yeah, yeah. We are very down to earth, I think. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Incredibly honest. Yeah, very straightforward. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do you, just out of curiosity, now that I, I start to get to know Australian people, I get to know Kiwis. What is the biggest difference between a Kiwi and an Australian, even though you have the freedom to go between both continents? Countries. Well, my Jesus. manager's a Kiwi. Okay. And so the, the difference is that they say, we say six and they say sucks. And we say fish and chips and they say fush and chops. And they, <laughs> New Zealanders, like, it's kind of like America and Canada. Mm-hmm, like, yeah. they're like, Canada's like the small brother, you know what I mean? And uh, New Zealand's like the small, um, it's like cousin of Australia. So they always have this kind of like, we're better than Australia kind of mm. thing and they make really good films they make really like new zealand uh like movies like yeah, a really good beautiful really good movies and also stuff like the, the, the landscape the landscape is nuts. crazy yeah it's really nice personality difference can we like judge them as a group <sighs> i reckon we're pretty similar to be honest honestly i reckon really? we're pretty similar yeah which is the accent thing i'd say like if i'm in a kiwi i would just be, I'd be like oh like it's almost like a, another australian that's kind of how i feel about it Got might it. be controversial to say but like I feel like the difference between Canadians and Americans is you guys have like a big thing. We're not as like intense, I don't think. Well, yeah, it, I, there's no rivalry between America and Canada at all, but it is two very separate ways of life. Yeah. And, you know, it's very interesting. Like, even when you look at like a territory, they'll usually do, Austra- uh, you know, A-U-N-Z. Like, Australia and New yeah. Zealand is always kind of coupled together. Yeah, yeah. I think, cause it, well, I think the touring, so when you do a tour, like, you do, you do, all you, you do it all because it's like, You're coming to Australia is very expensive, I think, for American bands because there's like, it's not, there's not, I think in Australia there's like six, six shows, they'll do like six cities. Whereas like, you can do like, uh, six cities in a state in America. You know what I mean? <laughs> or in Europe, you can just go, you know, place to place. So, they, they group them all together. They kind of, if you come to Australia, you kind of do it all if you're a 
touring musician. You have to do both. You have to do both, yeah. So you don't, you, you kind of live in Nashville, but yeah. how often are you going back home? Uh, I go back home, like I'm going back, I do an Australian tour that starts in seven days. So, but I haven't been back for like probably a year. I kind of go back every, like a month for for every year, I'd say. So, but, uh, how, do you keep in touch with family? I mean, yeah. your most recent records are very connected to the yeah. reality that you faced with your family. Yeah, so my brother's on the road. He's out there. with the, He's the guy with the camera outside. That's my brother. He kind of comes on the road with me. And uh, I'm very close to mom and dad and like my other brothers and stuff like that. But uh, I'm just like, you know, it's happening. Things are happening. And like, my, I know I wrote the new song about my dad, but uh, we're very close. But, you know, I'm living his dream because he taught me how to play guitar and everything and sort of like, you know, being out, out here writing songs and having a song that was big in America. Is like it's it's so cool, man. This never happens, and I never thought I'd be doing this stuff. Like this is so rare coming from Australia. So we're very close, and he, he encourages it all. Do you? I mean, you, you have to feel like you couldn't do this without your dad, because obviously oh. he taught you what you know. Literally, like yeah, he. Uh, I mean, every morning, every Saturday, he'd have like you know music playing, and he taught me the chords on guitar. You know, showed me a love of music, and like basically taught me how to I, not really write songs, but the the building blocks to how to get it all started. So, yeah. Is there like a weight or the responsibility you carry to maybe succeed on behalf of your dad? I don't think he puts that pressure on me. Like when I said to him that I was going to be like a musician, he was like, uh, oh, give this a crack. He was like, um, make sure you get like a uni degree and like don't, because he didn't want me to like be a massive like failure. Because I think when you do music, you don't realize it's like one in a million that you're going to have success. Like it's crazy. Now, now with TikTok, I feel like I, maybe this is like six years ago. With TikTok, it's like you have a higher percentage of now building something. Oh, I, I mean... You know? Yeah, because you have access to a portal that gets you to ears in a way that like didn't exist before because yeah. the gatekeepers on those portals yes. were so money-driven or yes. industry-driven or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a whole democratization of what it means totally. to create art and get art out there and allow art to rise. Like yeah. anybody who's anybody can do it. Consistency, yeah. I think, is you know what sets people apart, though. Yeah, yeah, consistency and luck. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't feel like luck. Like I feel like you're right. There, it has democratized everything. Because I think now, I'm saying this to my friend, that if you make something, a song that's that you write a hundred songs and you you write one that's great, and if you think about what you're going to post, like you, how you're going to post it to people, like you actually really try, you have more of a chance. Like anyone can do it. But I feel like at the moment, everyone's doing it. Like, there's oh, so yeah. many people. That's it's cluttery. And how do it's you, so cluttery. How does the good rise to the top? When there's literally every song is great. I'm <laughs> like, everyone, there's new, who's this person? This is great. This is great. This is great. This is really good. Like, how do you, in a weird way, the platform's given people this chance to, like, blow up. But it's like, there's so many people doing it, it's almost harder. I don't know. It's kind of a weird one. It's That's why the luck thing sort of... It's weird. It's easier it. and harder at the same time. Yeah. Like you can get out there and get on the road, but there's super congestion there. So much congestion. Well, but you can still do it. Well, you've had success. Do you think yours is luck or why do you think it's been you? <sighs> well, I think um, I don't have a life. Like all I do is music, right? But I know a lot of people like that. Like all I do is write songs. I don't really go out much. I just think about this. I think I did have luck. I think Be Alright just blew up and I had a lot of support at that time, which is actually pre... It was three years ago, basically, blew up, but like TikTok wasn't crazy big then. Mm -hmm. And um, it sort of had all the, the support that it needed. But then after that blew up, uh, you know, COVID happened. And then two years of... I, I was putting... I had two years off because of COVID. I couldn't tour. And then every song I put out would sort of like do worse and worse. And I was like, oh, like... I sort of thought everything was sort of ending. And then with TikTok, actually... Um, with this new song, How Do I Say Goodbye, it blew up on TikTok. So in a weird way, that 
feels like another lucky thing, but you know, uh, yeah, but is it okay. luck or did the story just resonate when people it were, just were giving it to them? As soon as I played the song to people, they like cried and all like were really emotional and they loved it. And I've never, the only time I ever had that reaction actually was with, with Be Alright, huh. but it wasn't crying. Like the thing that I noticed with when my big song Be Alright was like when I played it, people would share their stories with me. So they'd straight away say to me, um, oh, like I got, I, I saw a f message on my ex-boyfriend or girlfriend's phone. And they just tell you that and they don't know you but and that and i was like i've never had that sense where people would come up and tell you like something when they don't really know you and then um i'm noticing that with how do i say goodbye now people come up and they tell you about f people they've lost their friends or family they've lost and they don't really know you that you know they just tell you they just tell you which how, is very special how have you rationalized the reason behind that well i've rationalized it by by um i mean if you want to talk about the, the actual rationalization I'd, I'd probably say it's the only other time I've noticed something's really connecting. Uh, it, for me, when something is connecting, it's when people start telling you, without you knowing them, they'll just tell you their story but as well. Do you think they, f they think they know you? I think they think they know you. Yes. Yeah. yeah for sure. But that's the key. I think when, when that's what I'm excited. Right. When it's good or it's connecting, because I've had so much that doesn't. You go like when it does. Now I'm like, oh, well, that was the same as that. Oh, it makes sense now. But it's very special like when they do tell you this stuff it's like incredible like you know the stories and and how it's affected them is kind of like you know a big part of why are there sonic or lyrical similarities between the two records that you can pick up on um i mean i have a very uh, i'd say they're similar-ish but they're not like they're not like that similar but they're emotional and yeah. um i kind of keep things simple like production wise so maybe like okay actually maybe you're right the, the piano ballads and that's something that I've realized um, whenever I, with this new album, I was like, oh, like, because I'm like, I look back at things and I'll go like, why did that work? And I realized uh, that my, uh, well, my first album, because I had two years off, I was like, the songs that connected were like the piano ones. Like people just like the piano. So it makes you sort of think a bit as well, because you go like, the guitar ones just don't do it nearly as well. Like people just don't connect with them, but they like piano. What is it? Okay. Yeah, can you? I don't know. I think it's like when I, maybe it's just like, um, well, for whatever reason, okay, I, you know what I think it is? I think when you write a a, pop, a happy song or a pop song, it's like connects to the ears. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think if you write a song on piano, it can connect to the, well, if, if I do it like that, it connects to the heart and the ears. So you have like, um, so it's like, if you write a happy song that's like on guitar or upbeat, you, it has to be like 100%, 10 out of 10 to even have a chance because you're, you know, releasing music when every like the best producers in the world are like and the best artists are doing that style of songs like but whereas if you write a piano ballad and it's why you see so many of these on tiktok i think you can yeah, you can connect to the heart mm. as well as the ears so it's kind of it's easier as a weird word but it can connect like quicker yeah, it's more direct it's more direct yeah i understand what you're saying yeah. and there's no yeah. like it's not as distracting like you get to the point yeah. and you really have the ability to like match yeah the piano i mean all great songs in this world sound good acoustically yes i totally agree but you know depending on what instrument accompanies that acoustic yeah you know that could really make a huge fucking difference it does yeah piano songs man they just uh if you get it right they 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 definitely connect why was it important for you to write 80 songs before you released one? Oh well it's kind of all i do i think i just think um you write so many songs so many of them are like good and like bad and like average but I reckon it's like a bit of a numbers game. Like yeah. if you write 10, there's got to be one that's like 
pretty good. And then if you write like a hundred, you're gonna have one magic song in there. Like if you if your life, like with you guys, with your show, you guys think about what you I assume you guys think about what you're doing. Like you have a whatever whatever you think we're doing is exactly (laughs) what we're doing. Let's keep that. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you you know if anything in life when you apply yourself like and I I see you I bet you guys apply yourself even though you weren't say but like if you really (laughs) you guys guys are like I don't but like I think if anything if you want to be like a a plumber or if you want to be a you know a programmer if you so you think about and you're obsessed with it and you like spend a hundred days learning something oh yeah you're gonna be you're gonna get better at something so i think it's like music as well if you're obsessed with it like if you're obsessed and it's really what you love to do eventually if you just write 100 songs one of them's going to be and you're thinking about it a lot one of them's got to be great but how do you know waves was the great one well i knew that was a good song because um oh great was when i i, I did the song and then i was on the train home uh i was in this town called hitchin which is like north of london and i listened to it and i I just, I just knew it was special because it had this feeling about it. But the real test is when I sent I sent it to my brother and he was like, he's hears everything. And he was like, whoa, this is crazy good. And then I showed more people around me and then they'd ask, the thing is they'll, they'll ask for you to send it to them if they if it's like, really yeah. good. They'll say, um, can you email me that? Or like um, you show it to them on the phone, they'll say, can you email it to me? And every time I'd show it, people would be like, oh, can you send that to me? And that was the same with Be All Right as well. When I'd show it, they'd like want to hear it like they want me to send it. Whereas if you show someone, they go, oh, it's cool. It's kind of like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that that's just a little extra thing I noticed. That That's, I mean, it's human. It's like it's human interaction. Like they, it's weird that you pick up on those things, but it makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, you notice it over time because I do so much and you notice when no one asks. That's always a, uh, not a good feeling. So uh, I, I hope this isn't too personal, but when you find out that your dad is being diagnosed with cancer, how soon after that do you choose to go to the studio and write a song? Well, I didn't write about it for ages. Like, because um, when Be Right was blown up, probably near the end of it, like I was, I, we knew what was happening. So I was in America and I was doing all these interviews and um, doing all these big shows. And my, I was getting updates from mom and dad. And I was like, when am I coming home? Because, you know, it was, it was bad. But also my dad, he, he, I'm... You know, we didn't do this together, but we sort of did. Like, yeah. he's a close person to me. Dude. And so he's the one who's like, he's looking at all my stream numbers every day. He's kind of going like, you got to add to this radio station. You know what I mean? Like, he's 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 in it with me. And he's kind of like saying, you got to, I'm like, should I come home? And he's like, this is your once in a lifetime opportunity. So it was kind of like, keep going, keep going. And I, and then, um, and then it got really bad because he started to look like he was really sick. Like, um, and then I was always ready for that call to go home. And then, um, just I think it was like maybe like two years into it or a year and a half into it where I decided to write the song about it. It was, you know, so. What, what what prompts that? Is it this having to come to terms with this idea of like what it could mean to say goodbye? Yeah, I think I just write about the things that are happening in my life. Like it's just what I do is like if there's relationships, things I write about those or if it's like uh, my dad. I mean, this is a hu- the most important things that I'm thinking about or happening to me. I always just write about them. And um, it was just such a huge part of my life, but I didn't. It was just. A, it's. Oh, I was just like so anxious to write about it because it's very important and um, and it's very rare you go into the studio and you actually want to write about something and it turns out good. Like most of the time, you, you write something, and it's just like uh, it doesn't. It doesn't hit or whatever. But do you write the songs to seek answers to the questions you're asking, or do you write to come to terms with what could be? I think it's just writing to come to terms and just kiss. I have to write about it. So it's like, you know, and with this song in particular, 
it's literally the lyrics like the chorus is how do i say goodbye to someone who's been with me for my whole damn life you gave me my name and the color of your eyes i see your face when you look at mine which is literally like if you wrote down on paper how you feel about your dad or your mom or your friend or mom and dad pretty much but or your grandparents that's what you just say like mm. it's but it's rare when you write the words out and like i mean we didn't do it like that but it was like when you can just write it out and it says the thing melodically as well and it all fits um but i just wrote it because it was just i just had to do it you know what i mean and um luckily it was it just hit a thing like it just was good because it could have gone the other way as well but what did it do for you well when i wrote it um i heard the chorus back so uh me and my friend john were in nashville writing it and john hume john hume yeah. and uh and we were in the studio and we just wrote the chorus and um we hadn't written a song together in like four years. It's been ages. And we recorded it as a bit on, we filmed, my brother filmed it actually. And, uh, I sang it three times and then we listened back on the speakers and it was like, oh my God. Like when you hear it back like that, it was just the one, my hairs were in the back of my neck were going up. And with me, I'm so analytical in the studio. Like I always think I suck and I'm all, all like something's wrong. I'm like, it's too slow. It's the wrong key. Are the lyrics good? And it's like kind of a stressful period. It's not really that enjoyable. Like it's, it isn't, it isn't, but I've never, I don't usually get that like emotion in the studio when you're being so analytical. So, um, I, yeah, heard that back and I was like, oh my God. It, and I knew if I'd get the tingles that I knew other people would as mm. well. Cause it's like when you do, you know, it's when you listen to your own voice, it's like hard to, hard to feel as like other people sort of would. Totally. But I felt it personally. So I've never really had that before. Is there a time in your studio session for analytical and emotional or do they just kind of mix together? I think they mix together. Like I was, I never cried like writing songs. I don't think I've ever done it, but I, I reckon I, I was like, it was like probably 15 times like writing verses. Like I was super, in my, you know, it was so emotional and I was like, I'm in the room by myself just like crying and I'm like, my brother's there and it was just like, it was just, it was, it was just a different experience. And, uh, but then you also be analytical because you're going, I want this to be great. Like it's about my dad. And then when we got the chorus, I was like um, listening to it back and I'm like, okay, now the verse has to be really good. And we actually, we wrote like five verse, different verses and we ended up coming back to the one that was just really simple because we realized that um, the chorus was so powerful. We just needed something to uh, tell the story in a simple way and it didn't really need to be flashy. And that's why the production for me is really important to be piano, very like classic, yeah. acoustic you know, like live drums, really simple. Like too much could fuck that up real easy. Exactly, and yeah. it wouldn't hit the same. Exactly. So we tried to keep it. Ex so yeah, that was my thinking process was it were, if we just keep it really raw, like li almost live guitar, piano, drums, you know, you can't you can't really go wrong with that sort of, it was almost like Coldplay, like production, you know what I mean? Like old Coldplay, so. What was it like showing your dad the song for the first time? Because I'm sure that's not easy. Yeah, so I didn't uh, tell him about it. The Really? The video yeah. of him watching you perform destroyed me oh yeah oh, it was God. it was it. well i didn't tell him and uh i didn't tell him i'd written the song until it was sort of like not mixed but it was like the production was done and then i was in i was in los angeles and i got my brother to film really just for me but i because i wasn't there i was on the speakerphone and i and we he was listening to the song and he uh he cried and then he just said he loves it it's a great song he actually can't listen to the song because it's like too emotional but a lot of people don't know this, by the way. I should say, my dad's in remission. Yeah. He's oh, in remission. I, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. He, he's in remission. A lot, of, And that thing is I was able to play him the song, which I didn't know if I'd... Um, at the time when I was writing it, it was like, you don't really know what was going to happen because they gave him a 25% chance of living past a year at this point. 
uh, so where he was, not even living two years, but he got a stem cell uh, transplant that saved his life. But so I was able to play him the song. That's crazy. And he loved it. And he's actually, to be honest, loving the attention right now. Like <laughs> he's like honestly on YouTube every day, looking at the comments and like, uh, you know, there's an article in Australia in the paper and he like posts on his Instagram. He's, he's loving it. Right now. But he's, he's, I understand why he can't listen to the song. Like for a parent to come to terms with having to like leave their kid and oh, to hear it so yeah. drawn out like that. And yeah. It's so, Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's very, uh, it's very intense for him, and I think there's a rightfully so. And he went through it, you know, because you going through. We're all, we're all there, but he really you go through it yourself. It seems like he had to deal with that, and it's a different thing for him than everyone else. So, it's I think it sort of brings him back to that. But um, yeah, he he's just like he's loving it right now, but uh, it's definitely overwhelming for him to listen to. What's it yeah. like for the rest of your family to hear this? Like your mom and your brother? Yeah, mom got really emotional. Um, my we all just they all just love the song like everyone was just like we're all uh mum loves it yeah. she's super super pumped about it um yeah what is the hardest love the hardest love is the name of my album it's coming out in like <laughs> oh, a couple thanks. of days yeah no no what is the actual hardest thing to love so okay i called it the hardest love because i okay so i basically i wrote the song called the hardest love on the album as well and um i like the name because the song, the album is also about uh, this relationship. I thought I was going to end up with this girl that never. It just, I thought she was like the one. You know what I mean? Like she was the girl for me, like full on, and it just didn't work out. And I think it was the last for me. It was the hardest love because it was the last sort of bad relationship that where there's all these red flags, personally that I would sort of ignore. Like what? Like you know, just like um, you know, like whenever I'd get too close. Or like, you know, you'd start to get too close. Someone would pull back. And that perpetual sort of like, we're getting closer, getting closer. Oh, it's finally going to happen. And then they pull back again because there was something that was happening. Or like, I have a really important life thing or an exam or something. And then you sort of wouldn't, like, she just keep pulling back. And so, and I, I think I was, my childhood, I'm a bit like, sort of was chasing that. I sort of would chase that. Whereas what would come to me. I'd kind of be like, oh, oh well, I, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I like yeah. to work for what I get. Okay? Exactly. If you're fucking throwing yourself at me, all those celebrities who <laughs> sign on my fucking DMs, <laughs> I don't fucking want it. Honestly, I, yeah. let me work. Like, let me let me yeah. put some fucking Chase. elbow grease exactly. in this motherfucker. Exactly. Or it just didn't feel like it was worth it or something. And uh, it's the worst way to think. It's like the worst. <laughs> totally. But that's why I've I, literally turned <laughs> down amazing people. Yeah, and and yeah, right? Red. Yeah, because it's easy. Yes. I like things I can't fucking have. Because there's a value to it or something. Horrendous. We're so toxic. <laughs> We're so toxic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but well, I, I, you know, sometimes I think maybe there's the opportunity where the two can cross over. And, you know, yeah. it, well, I want to know what about this girl made you go, oh, I'm in love with her when when you would get close, one yeah. of you would dip. Probably yeah. Her. Well, I think, you know, I think it was, I went through a period of my life where it was like, oh, this sounds so cliche, but it was true. I had nothing. I, five years ago, moved in with my nan. Like, you know, which I know is very Jeffrey Dahmer now with the, yeah. the show. I'm like, Jesus. Oh, alarming, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but before that, it was actually, a, it seemed like a sweet story before that film came out. But I was like, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was like probably six years ago. I had like no money and I just moved in there for a year to save uh, money. And I had nothing. And I felt like, I think I was 20, I think I was, tw I started late. I was 28 when I, when I got a record deal. Yeah. So, or something, 27, 28, I can't remember. But I thought I'd missed my life's opportunities and i was like i'm gonna give this a crack one last time and so basically i'd when be all right blew up and i was like oh my god what what is happening my, my life's changing now i have stuff and i can like 
do I can have you know things I have money I have you know you know what I mean you could feed yourself I could feed myself this exactly exactly and I'm from Australia like it's impossible to have a hit song in America and Germany like what that no, it never happens and um, and so I think I thought those things would make me happy and I know it's the, the tried and true thing everyone talks about but I'm I always think in life with me, I'm so dumb and stubborn that I have to experience it myself. Like, it's like someone will say, this doesn't make you happy. I'm like, yeah, but maybe it will for me. And then I'll, then I'll go and do it and then I'll realize. And I realized that all those things that I was like chasing, it's like, okay, I have them all and I'm really unhappy. And I was, I think I developed all these skills and things that weren't really that important. And she kind of helped me through this period. We were like sort of fr friends during like the Be Right blowing up yeah. and then the sort of time after that during COVID where things sort of dropped off and I was like, it was a hard time just coming to terms with everything in life. You know, we think everything you're working towards is going to get you somewhere and you realize that it's not really it. And I know people would look at that and be like, oh, wait, having like in this music industry, having a hit song is like, like be right. It's not like a, some people, they'd be like, that's the beginning for me. But for me, it was more than I'd ever expected. And so we just got really, really close. And then, um, and then, uh, and then I guess I started to build up an idea of her that wasn't really who she was in the end. She wasn't, she wasn't really that person. And I think when we actually, I finished touring, we hung out, I uh, went down to Oceanside in California and it wasn't, we had a couple of days there and she just wasn't the, and probably me too. I wasn't the, we just were different people at that time. And I think I built up sort of a different idea of who she was. I Did think you, that is the question. Because you ignored the signs. I ignored the signs, yeah. The pullback. you just saw the, the good in what... It, you just saw what you wanted to see. So exactly. you built the person that you ideally wanted to have. That's Yeah, exactly. Wow. I'm pretty nail on the head, man. That's exactly... I'm probably doing the same. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's exactly the thing. <laughs> oh, and, and they'll show you... People show you who they are. And you sort of... It's easy to ignore that when you just lock... You go, oh, this is, she's, she's cool. You know, and... But also, to be fair, I also, uh, you know, wasn't in... Uh, you know, I, I'm not a perfect person. I have no idea what I'm doing. And um, I have to had to figure things out as well. It was probably just bound to never work out. So it's weird. Songwriting, the only songs, it's always like good guy, bad guy. And it's like, uh, there's a lot of like, you know, uh, you, you know, it's it's two people. So, But the hardest love is one that like you want so badly, but you cannot have and you think is perfect and can change your life for the better and maybe yeah. even change theirs. Yeah. It's just unobtainable. It's unobtainable. And I, I was doing the whole thing. Like I was looking at houses in LA. I was like sending them like, I'm going to get this place for, I was, I was just, I was all in. And I think she was just, uh, she, you know, she had different goals and she wanted to make her own way in life. And it's like, res at the end of the day, it's like, you know, respect. respect yeah. Respect. Respect. Jesus Christ. This is too much for me to handle. It's <laughs> <laughs> Hard... getting deep. <laughs> I'm going to have to call my therapist. <laughs> Are a lot of the songs on this album about that situation, or is that just Holy like shit. like how'd you come to that like why that song to like name the album after? Or is a lot of the songs about her? Yeah, th th that song actually is not um, the hardest love was actually not about her, but it was the uh, for both my albums I've chosen a song uh, a song that's on the album mm -hmm. to call the so I just wanted to do that again and it summed up the feelings of the, I thought the hardest love also was sort of represented with my dad coming to terms with that. Um, and I just, so it was kind of a combination of things, I guess. Now, what's Into the Breeze? I know we didn't get yeah. to hear that song, but I just like the title. So, yeah, Into the Breeze is um, a song that I wrote. And the, the, I'm, I'm really proud of this one because the lyrics sum up uh, how I feel about life. And this one's more introspective. Uh, I say, why do these birds fly into the breeze? Why do the open arms of someone who loves me make me want to leave? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's sort of what we're saying. Both um, what we're saying before mm -hmm. about the idea of why in life when things come to me, this is my own thoughts. And I go, why do I push that away? And that, so that's kind of, that line summed up that, um, it's just an introspective song. It is so accurate. But <laughs> yeah. I was just making sure that the person I was talking about is not in the other room listening. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> 
shit. I yeah. saw you panicking over there. I was like, what? oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I did see. I was like, what's uh, happening to my left? <laughs> uh, stress. Now, speaking of writing things down, earlier you did post on social media that if you're feeling stressed out, you said write down your thoughts, but then don't go back and read them. Yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Like, isn't it important to go back and read your thoughts sometimes? Yeah, I, I've been doing this for seven years. I, I'm like the most, like, I'm still terrible at it, but every morning I write down, I go to a cafe on my own and I'll just get a coffee by myself and I write down my thoughts. Like, you know, sometimes you only have two minutes, you're in an airport, sometimes you have a half an hour, whatever. And I just found that writing down my thoughts, if I had to do it perfectly, you sort of overthink it. But I talk to my fans about this all the time. If, you, if you're struggling in life, just go to get a coffee, in, get up in the morning, go to, go to a cafe on your own, get a coffee and sit there and just, just write something imperfect and write about where you want to be and what you're worried about. And I just found for me when I did that and I wrote about what I was going through, things I was doing wrong, things like where I wanted to be, things I wanted to achieve. If I just kept writing about that, my life started to have a, uh, I sort of felt like I was floating and then I sort of through life and missing opportunities. And then all of a sudden when I started doing it, I felt like I was uh, my, it's not, I'm not really big into manifesting or anything, but I felt like it gave me context to know where I was going. Mm -hmm. And my life started coming together a lot more. And so I've just kept doing it. And I find that if you keep a track of it, you almost create like a narrative in your life of, and a plan. And it's just something that I do and I tell my fans to do because mm. it's really helped me. I think I may start doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Does, does it take away that the stresses that you're feeling? Like, do you feel relieved afterwards? Do you, do you yeah. feel like a weight off your shoulders? Yeah. It's just like, I always think I'm always so stressed about stuff. I get, I feel like if I do it, it's like I imagine myself as a bucket and I'm like, I feel like I wake up at right now and wake up and I'm like 90% because there's so much happening. Like the song's hot again and oh my God, things are happening. I don't want it to stop. And then I, I go, if I write in the morning, I'm going to take 30% more water out and then I can deal with little things coming in, but it's never going to solve all my problems, but it just helps me. It's something that I do. Is yeah. it true that you're like 50-50 on this album, like co-writing and just songs written on your own? Yeah, yeah. A lot of songs are right on my own too. Same with the last album. So yeah. what songs are only kept to you and what songs do you go to others with? Yeah, well, a lot of the time I'll bring in, um, a, say I'll finish, I'll have a song that's like, I have a chorus or something. And sometimes I'm stuck and I'm halfway through a song and I'll bring that in. Um, and then there's some songs I'll just write on my own. Uh, like there's a song called All For You, Into The Breeze, To Have You Today on this album as well. I wrote... Uh, Sometimes, uh, yeah, it just depends. There's also a lot of songs I didn't put on this album, not because they're not good, but because I just like 10 track albums and I'm like, uh, but I, it just depends really. Like sometimes you get, why 10, why 10 songs? Okay. Okay. Well, I think now okay, I put out my first album and it was, as soon as it came out, it was old. Like, you know what I mean? With albums, like they're uh -huh. old as soon as you put them out. Like in the sense of if you have all these great songs on an album and you put a 12, 13 track album out. You, you can have like three songs that are like big singles, you think. But as soon as the album comes out, like good luck trying to get that started uh. again. Like you can, mm -hmm. but it's really hard. So I was like, well, it doesn't make sense to like, so I'm like 10 is like you put your big single out and then you put the album out and then you have really good songs Focus on there. tracks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you just, that, so I just kind of, it just felt really lean and really good. And then I was like, the next one, I'll be like, can think I'm thinking about the next one now. You know what I mean? And and so it didn't really make sense to to do more than that for me. How um, many songs did you have to? How many songs did you start with before you got to the ten? I reckon I recorded about like properly recorded probably about twenty. Oh, cool. and there were great songs on there. Like I got argued with my manager, my label, and stuff. They were like, "You're not going to put this song out? Like, what are you doing?" And I'm like, "Yeah, but 
Maybe on the next one. Yeah, but yeah. how do you know what's right for this and what's not? What are you listening for? You know what I do is I have this I have this internal thing where I know something sounds like me. And I get it from everyone I've been having my whole life. They'll be like, this is a great song. You're crazy not to put this out. But I'll be like, it doesn't sound like me. Like the production or something. And I have always had this thing in me. I don't know, it's because I got signed later, but I didn't want to fail on someone else's terms. And I say no a lot to things. I've always done that. I think if I was 18, I would probably say yes a lot more because mm. you, you, you think, you sort of think that everyone knows what they're doing and they don't. Like people have jobs and I swear they just like, I feel like, I feel like I had a few examples. Things like where you listen to other people and it hasn't been catastrophic, but you, those people would be gone when it when they when it fails they're gone oh yeah but it's just you and it's just you in the end it, 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 yeah. littered in failure exactly 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 this, at the end of the day you're the only person who like success yeah. has many fathers failure is an orphan exactly and yeah you are the child yes so but, but you feel like you feel like if someone says something so confidently that's the direction going well oh my god they must be right even if it's against your instinct and i just say no a lot and it's tense but at the end of the day, I have I have said yes at times when I haven't wanted to. And interesting enough, those times have been the times where I think the songs haven't worked the most a little, you know. But your track so, record is also like working in your favor. Yeah. Well, you, but it works better when I follow my instinct. That's it. And, and, but but I'm, I'm also not one of those people who's like, I'm right all the time. I listen to everyone around me. You like, should. I get a lot of opinions and I think I'm wrong a lot. And, and then I come to like a consensus, but I f try to follow my instinct the most. But I, I think that's only because I started later. And I give that advice to like, because you know, like there's this uh, younger singer songwriters up and coming now. And sometimes they'll ask me stuff and I'll just be like, say no a lot. Like don't release that song that someone wants you to do that it doesn't feel right. Because that's all of you. And those people will be, they have a hundred other people they're working for. They, it's not the same thing to them. So people right. want to help you. People aren't all bad. But it's just you got to follow your own instinct a lot, I think. So, and I've always said no. So, do you think some of the songs you said no to because you had to like kind of do what's right for you? Do you think they could have been big hits? Are they good songs? And like, do you think you have a song out there that could be like a massive radio hit? Yeah, th there was. I mean, sometimes it's like the order of songs. Like, I put out a song called "Looks Like Me," uh, which was uh, it's, oh, which is actually on the album. And I thought, I'm like, this song is the song you put out after you you have the song that connects to the heart, mm -hmm. like. And that's what I was saying. But like, I feel like that would be the perfect follow-up to how do I say goodbye, actually. You wouldn't kiss. I, after COVID, I kept putting out songs and they just nothing was really connecting. And I sort of thought things were sort of dying off. And I, But I knew that the songs that are connected for me when I looked back were the songs like, uh, I have this song called Half a Man and Be Right and Waves. They're all songs that were from the heart. Mm. And, um, and I have this song called Looks Like Me that's more of a poppy, catchy song. So I looked at that and went, this, is, this song is a great song that could make it on radio after you have, like, after you have the song that's going to connect to the heart. So sometimes it's like, um, I feel like it's the placement and the timing mm -hmm. of things. But also you can't plan it. You can think, oh, this song's going to connect to the heart. But you can put a song out in the week before someone's written a song, the exact same s meaning, and you just lose it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a confusing thing. And so many things need to fall into place. Mm -hmm. You never really know. But I do follow that like instinct now and I'm, I'm starting to trust it even more would you ever time. sell the songs that you just sit on that didn't make the album to somebody else yeah I no I think I don't even really like writing songs for other. I've done it sometimes I write songs for other with other people for other people but I don't really like doing it because I always think 
but what if I do something that's really good and I don't want to give it away? I have this song called Half a Man uh, from my first album that uh, is one of my songs that people, a lot of my fans love. And I actually wrote this, I wrote the chorus on my own and then um, I wrote it for someone else in the room with John Hume, me and John Hume and this girl, Hayley Warner, brought the chorus in and we wrote it for someone else. And then when we finished the song, I was like, this is so me, we can't give it away. And I actually didn't, which was a, at the time I was getting so much pressure. You were like, no, you said you'd give it away. And I just held on to it. And um, that song's <laughs> been one of the, <laughs> yeah, I know. So who wanted it? It was some, it was an Australian artist. Um, Delta Goodrim. No, no, Guy no. Guy Sebastian. No, no, it wasn't them. Was Five Sangs of Summer. No, they, they, those, guys, those guys write their own stuff. They're great. Yeah, they're, they're phenomenal. Great. Yeah, yeah. But, um, Fuck with them. Yeah, they're great. Who but, was it? Who could it be? I wouldn't say it just sounds all it's just mean Troy Savon no no I th he's a great writer is, yeah. is Joel Corey Australian <laughs> Joel Corey. What's his, I don't know he's a DJ Brothers you know that song Trot it's a good one Oh yeah, I think I have heard Trot actually. You have a whole different like there's a whole different way of life down there. It's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Keith Urban. Wild. No, it wasn't Keith. It was Keith. Like oh, Keith. they float. They pitched it to him, and he he didn't want it. Uh, really? But I, but I didn't want them to pitch it to anyone. I was like, no. And uh, but they, you know, when you have a song that's good, people like, and you you open that door, it's really hard to close that door. Totally. Because they people start pitching things out. But yeah, I get it. Everyone wants to. They all want to make money, and they all want to. You know, they. You know, it's big for people. But that I'm, back then, I'm just an artist. And I'm like, but this is me. This is my. You know, this is so me. I couldn't give it away. It's, it really is. The songs are an extension of you. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's challenging. Yeah, hard. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a part of you. Yeah, hardest love, the hardest love, the hardest love. There's a th the the <laughs> at the top of that. Yeah, please listen to it on Amazon Music. The album is out. We're gonna play the description. We're gonna put a link in the description below. Holy shit, this has been a lot. Like this has been an emotional roller coaster for me. This has been great. I I've been watching your show for a long time. Oh Jesus, uh, I'm you're so like sorry. you're like one of the. You always pop up. <laughs> you, you you know no <laughs> we try to flood the internet with ourselves so you can't there. get away you're always there no it's it's really cool to come in when i saw you know i i do so many interviews uh like i mean i have in the past and i was really excited to do this because i was like i i yeah, you ask really in-depth questions and you, you you just i don't know how you guys do it well i it's, we're it's all cu him. curious <laughs> you're curious you're incredibly curious, curious yeah. and i listen a lot if you couldn't tell yeah yeah until you you tapped on something that like is emotionally just been weighing on my shoulders which is yeah, like this this total concept, and this has been my whole fucking life, and I do think it's a reason why I'm successful, yeah, is that yeah. I go after things yeah. that are not easy, but I know that like once I grab them, it will be the best move for everyone involved. That's so true about why it's so successful. fucked. It's fucked. <laughs> that relentless sort of, are you guys like that thing, the same thing of like next, you get the thing you want and you go next straight away? Yeah, I, it, or, or I really like to just... I'm at a place now where like I want to expand what we do really well and I want to make my life easier so mm. and then in doing that I can what do you <laughs> I no, go keep going pretend I'm not here keep going I go make my life easier he's ready to stab me in the jugular Carlos camera's ready to pounce on me over he's the like, fucking table um, I don't know I'm in a very weird place of like uh, yeah I want to I want to go on to what is next and and i do feel like i am a part of that but I, I, at this point in my life i'm trying to re-firm up foundation that we've worked really hard to build yeah uh and then from there we'll be able to do some really cool fucking things and be able to have that mo focus of like boom 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 but the reality is like you need to process like i i think i used to be like that i was gonna say yeah, yeah like yeah. I, i've been doing this 15 fucking years so like there's definitely a giant swath of time that i was like incredibly like naive but like 
blindly confident and I didn't give a fuck. I'd email somebody a thousand times until they answered me. Yeah. Like, I did not give a shit. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty, but, but again, going after things that I knew would be right for myself and for whoever, whatever that may be, could be a relationship with another person, could be a guest coming on the show, could be mm-hmm. whatever the fuck, could be somebody like looking to hire us, you know? Mm-hmm. I was very, very much going after things that like, you know, like I, I knew were right, but yeah. I would never take what was coming. I'd always go after something. Yeah, or you'd always have a grand vision of what you're doing. And, oh, and how important are numbers now to you? Do you, you still look at the numbers and go no. like, oh, you don't? Uh, well, sometimes. Well, you know, how we. Well, how, this is how I judge success. And Dan can, you know, come at me or whatever the fuck. I'm not going to say a thing. No, no, you can. <laughs> I, I judge success today based on, like, when I leave my house every day and people come up to me and they talk about the show and the impact the show's had on their life and things they love about it, things they've gotten to learn. I mean, that is... That's really healthy. That is my reward. That's I, epic. Yeah, I don't... I, yeah. If I looked at numbers all day, I'd get lost in it. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, and to be honest, like some, they, they're obviously doing well because when I... Again, my the way I constitute that success is like happiness and a quality show here. Do I leave the, the, the studio really happy and fulfilled with what we've created and the conversations that were had? And then when I go out into the world, like as people come up to me and it happens every day, you know, mm. that's... I'm almost afraid for when that goes away. I mean, I think mm. we've been doing well, but I think TikTok's really has helped us too. Oh, 100%. TikTok's yeah, you guys really on the, you're on my For You page. Yeah. I think the Thanks. interview with Alec was on there. Oh. Came up. Oh, Alec yeah. Benjamin? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think that one came up. fucking amazing. He's fucking great. Well, and the, the other yeah. thing on TikTok is like, you don't know what is ours and what is like, we, we're, we've racked up like, I talk. I just said I don't listen look at that, <laughs> but we have racked up like five or six hundred million user-generated content views on TikTok yeah. in the last like two months. Yeah, how do you feel about that? Uh, it, yeah, it's not ours, so it doesn't go to us. But but at the end of the day, like it was so funny. Like I, I care about again, like profile. profile I'm a mainstream yeah. motherfucker. Like we were on passive <laughs> mainstream radio, 80, 90 radio stations for ten years. Like yeah. that is as passive and as mainstream as it gets. So yeah. as long as I can tap into the 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 larger zeitgeist that is yes cosmopolitan but a lot of midwest a lot of northeast like it's about being passive and mainstream to the point where like even if you don't watch us every day you know who we are and what we do and you've come in contact with something that we've done whether it be on your for you page or your algorithm yeah. or your Amazon music page or your fuck you'd be watching the news one day and see a, yeah. an interview of ours so like, I think you guys done really well with that thanks. like you know I'm from Australia and, and I you know. and I, I know you know what I mean? but that's it's very rare in the radio world to do that you know it's oh, kind of that that's why I said the Howard Stern thing I mean I, I'm, a lot. I feel like I'm, I'm interviewing you guys no, now, but I, I love it I was I, just interested I'm really interested I want to ask you a question about numbers when yeah. thankfully yeah. your career is not coming to an end but when you were saying like there was that time where you thought it may be was that yeah. hard for you to accept seeing the numbers going down it was because you know um I think you th- I thought every time I put out a song it's a hit song like I'd waves it was a hit yeah and then I put out uh be all right and yeah. it was a hit and I'm like whoa it's a global hit now I'm like oh and then you <laughs> and then I put out uh the, the song after that and it was like I mean, they kind of did well, but then everything started dropping. Two years, and I was like, I'm watching my monthly listeners on Spotify go down. I'm like, oh, yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> oh, but, yeah. you know, and I was like, oh, wait. And then I'm like uh, put, putting songs out. I'm like, oh, people don't care that much anymore. I'm like, oh, like they're not having that big reaction. And that's why when, um, and I was, and, but that's also good because you come to terms with a lot of things and you appreciate things more. And I think now that I'm watching the numbers go you know, add to today's top hits. I'm like, what the hell? You're watching it go viral on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I know it's not going to last forever now. I know that mm. all the people that came into my life and BRI was blowing up and I was the, you know, you were hot. And then all those people are gone. They were gone. And I know now that people starting to like, oh, people are like 
call me again like message oh i'm back i'm like but they're gonna be gone soon oh and you know will, but but yeah. but what will last forever is that song exactly and to the exactly. point of like even like what i strive for is like they may not be a monthly active listener but when that song comes on it resonates with them and they know it mm. be all right this this latest one is going to be the exact same thing yeah i mean dude like you are making way more than a teacher's salary a year on that fucking Be All Right song. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, crazy. Yeah, fuck yeah. It's crazy, yeah. It's like in grocery stores. Yeah. And it's, it is so passive and mainstream yeah. yes. that I'm sure even on like hot AC radio stations is still being still, played. Yeah, absolutely. So there is, there's such a connection point. So regardless of the fact that like they are super duper active every month, your song has hit these people in a way that will... The second they hear it, they'll go back to some memory in their head. It, yeah. it, it means something to them. It does. It becomes part of, part of their life. Fuck and that, yes. that is the thing. I mean, this thing, Be Right, still streams like, um, I think it's like four million a week. It's been, it was out four years ago. Like it, every week, it just, it seems to never go away. So That's, it's outrageous, actually. I can't, I still can't believe that it's, it still reaches out that far. I, it's just, th it's timeless. It's, yeah, well, thank you, thank you. It's good to have one. I, you just never, you never yeah, know. You but never. This you know. least, this last one could be that too. It, that's the thing, and I don't know if it is yet, but I feel like it's going. It's faster than be alright. Yeah. You just, I'm just going like, you need a lot of things to fall into place, but it feels like everything's gone crazy again. So I, do you so think cool. things move faster today than they have before? Oh my god, yeah, so much faster. I feel like just from watching, um, the last couple of years, it feels like hit songs. I haven't had any, but I feel like this one feels like it might be. <laughs> but I haven't had any. To, in, I'm. I. They sort of seem like a, a hit song used to be like you'd get a billion streams. Like that was like yeah. a hit. I feel like hits now. It's kind of like you get a hundred million, and then it's kind of like unless it really stays, everyone sort of moves on to the next thing. So, yeah. but you get those so songs still do that, but it seems much rarer to have the those huge billion stream songs but, you know? but the emotional ones stick around dude yeah they yeah. really weave themselves into the fabric of somebody's life and yeah. it allows them to see and understand their situation in ways that they couldn't and yeah i i to your point of like what, what the common thread between the hits is dude they're emotional they're raw they're real they're yeah piano yeah i mean there's so there's there's something there in terms yeah. of just a direct emotional connection that is not cluttered by anything and exactly that's that's the music that lasts forever yeah and if it's genuine into the heart and mm. you're not faking it i think people can hear it and uh and then you just got to get lucky <laughs> you just got to go yeah because so, people have to hear it you know and um, totally but as i said before man if you if you, you're out there and you wrote a big song you're thinking about like really your tiktok think about it post a lot and it's possible now. I think that the, the gatekeeper thing feels like it's opening. It's crazy, Opening right? up a lot. It's really exciting. But now it's about the label gatekeepers to understand the data that's coming their way so then they can amplify what is just yes, being gifted yes. to them. Yeah. Oh, the amplification's really important. Well, yeah, because that. you could yeah. have all the fucking TikTok streams and do a million streams a day on fucking Spotify all day. Yeah. And if nobody's going to take that data and make a case to expand that footprint oh, huge. so you can yeah. get to where you were before yeah. in a way that is culturally woven for months and months and months at a time yeah. you know like i would be working this record right now to radio and hot ac and pop and all the fucking things and i'd work it right through fall and winter and i'd work <laughs> yeah. it right into the new year yeah. and maybe i'd stop working it by fucking march yeah april That's but by <laughs> then the saturation point is so high yeah that like you've created a timeless record yeah yeah that, no exactly and i think and a slow build's better than a fast build for something like this because you know like you want this 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 is a beautiful song that again is relevant in so many situations so yeah yeah you want it to be out there for as long as humanly possible on radio you don't want it to be spun every fucking 42 minutes immediately no no you know? totally to totally and i think um what's that that's what's happening now as it 
blew up on TikTok, now you're starting to see where we're seeing the, the amplification to to radio and even doing this interview. Like totally. this isn't happening if I, you know, if I'm just on TikTok. You need teams Everything. to but to get to this point, I think is really cool that I feel like I feel like anyone can actually get to that point. And then the next step is really dependent on how your teams set up and all that stuff so well, in a lot of cases yeah. people come into it and they don't have a team and they have to figure it out from yeah ground up exactly but so many people are doing that now right they're just doing it all themselves yeah. and it's like what the hell but you it's, can you can do it I well think you can like, well you can be your own person and hire out different teams that work yes. for you to yes. get it out there god that'd be i mean yeah it's it's yeah music's crazy it's crazy right now and it's ever-changing it's ever-changing yeah you know, uh, Macklemore, one of the first guys to ever do an independent release. I'm pretty sure Co did it. Did you work that thrift shop? Was that before you? She, he made history though with that. Yeah. That was fucking huge, because he hired everybody. Yeah. It's just Ben and Ryan. That's fucking nuts. God, he must be just oh, rich as fuck. You know oh, Jesus, yeah, 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 yeah that yeah, would yeah. be Stupid outrageous. So. Your story though, in terms of when you get signed, is it's different. Uh almost unheard of yeah i don't know it's very rare to i think 27 28 and uh i think most people get signed at like you know 18 19 and yeah. they're sort of onto their fourth album by the time they're getting so i, I started late i just didn't think i didn't think i honestly was like this i think there's two kinds of people this is my this is my analysis there's people who you know like oh you watch american idol they're like they go in they're like they think they're amazing and then there's the people who you need a big team around you to tell you that you you know yeah like, totally. i was more like that no, I didn't go on Idol in here, as the example, but like, I was kind of like, I'd write these songs and I was like, if this first one didn't work, I would probably be like, oh, well, maybe I'm just, it's just not happening. It's not it. Yeah, but I had a good team around me. Um, the person, my, my best mate passed a demo on when he was on a boat at a party to my now manager <laughs> so many years ago. And they, uh, and she's still my manager. And um, so it happened like that for me. It was just really random um, and late, but. Uh, and special. Really special, I think, but I think that it gives you some strengths because you can say no. You've lived a little bit. Totally. You um you know who you are a little bit more, and um and it's given me this life that's so exciting, man. Like I just, I wrote my first song Waves about feeling like life felt very monotonous every year, and now like now all of a sudden I'm like, you know, this is my life now. It's no two crazy. days the same. It's exactly it's crazy. The hardest love. Listen to the album on Amazon Music. We're going to put a link in the description below so you can just click it real easy. Final thoughts, Daniel. Yeah, non-deep question. What does the station wagon in the woods represent on the album cover? Yeah, so the album cover was actually supposed to be the artwork for How Do I Say Goodbye? But we loved it so much that we oh. made it the album cover. So um, the, the station wagon is this car that my dad had when we were young. You know the Mercedes ones where you have the, the the boot or the trunk would face out to the cars behind you? Yeah, those seats back there. The seats back there would yeah, face yeah. the car. So when we were, me and my brothers would sit in the back and like look at the drivers <laughs> from behind and we just thought, you know, a photo of me in, in the same car that I had when I was a kid, it just really represented the song and then it felt like the album cover because it was so cool. So that's what it was. It's a really cool album cover. But yeah, the guy Darren Craig designed it, took the photo. He's yeah. a genius. It was really cool. It's so, really cool. Yeah. The Hardest Love. See the album cover, listen to the music, Amazon Music. I really appreciate you, Dean Lewis. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. What a great time. Please come back. Studio's always open. We won't be in this location for long. Um, so come to Culver City, please. I'll everybody. see you there. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Hey, beautiful human. You made it through our conversation with Dean Lewis. Thank you. Thank you so much for allowing us into your ears today. It means a lot. Big thanks to Dean. Big thanks to GoPuff. And again, a big thanks to you. Be safe, hug your family if you can, remind them that you love them, don't go to jail, and have a great day. Subscribe to our podcast, too, and share it with those you care about. Why not? Appreciate you. I'll talk to you soon. Peace and love.
By the way, today's episode is made possible by a few incredible humans, including our executive producers, Michael D. Ratner, Scott Ratner, Dylan Martyr, Dan Zola, Joshua Rusak, and Olivia Rodensky. Our senior director, Toby Lawless. Our associate producers, Eve Bishop and Claudia Villarreal. Our music is by James Asciutto. Our editor is Camera Carlos Gomez. Our sound mixer is Daniel Chavez-Crook. Our post-production manager is Caroline Rude. And I'm your host and executive producer, Zach Sang. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I'll talk to you real soon. <laughs>